We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 319. This is the 2019 Yankees where everyone's going on the injured list and they're setting franchise records for strikeouts, Scott. Yeah, it's some ugly, ugly stuff. Ugly baseball. Today was just another day of injuries and not hitting the baseball and striking out and looking for home runs and not getting it and frustration building early in the season. It's like a rollover. It's like it's like the, the last season didn't end and we're just continuing on with this with this, uh, you know, just shitty baseball because that's what we're seeing right now. And it's it's uh, it's tough to watch. This almost seems worse than like even the low points of last year. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just, you know, fresh in my mind, so it seems a lot worse. But my God, have these five games since opening day seemed just pitiful. Just everything, top to bottom. The 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 not hitting, the strikeouts, the the defense. Like it's just it's not fun to watch. 
Well, you know what it is, is that you build up that excitement level for the beginning of the season and you have such high expectations when it's 0-0, everybody is, you know, on the even uh, even keel and you're ready to go. You, you're, you're confident in your team. You have a good team on paper. You like the, the things that were done in the offseason. They come out, they, they win opening day. Uh, Luke Voigt hits a massive home run and we're all excited and pumped up about that. And then it just like the wheels fall off. I mean, there's no like stumbling around. Like there's just the wheels are off. Like just off. Yeah, they're on. They're on the just you know skidding on the pavement on just rims. It's yeah. just sparks flying everywhere. And we're and flying down because we flew over the over the handlebars and we're tumbling now next to the bike, and it's a disaster. It uh it almost got today in the towards the end of the game when Matthew Boyd, who I said in the in the little post game recap, like this is not vintage randy johnson or vintage pedro martinez we're talking about this is matthew boyd who i understand is not a bad pitcher but he struck out 15 or or i think it was yeah 15 yankees or 14 yankees at one point and then the bullpen comes in and just strikes out more people it's like it almost got comical because you knew what was going to happen it was oh two but like you look down at your phone to check twitter you look back up it's oh two here comes a slider in the dirt and another swing and miss yeah it's bad it's it's um it's frustrating to watch. And today I had to go to my father-in-law's. We had a little dinner for him. Um, it wasn't, it was just like, we all went to a pizza place at five 30, trying to schedule it early, you know, cause seven o'clock games happen. And then all of a sudden we look at the schedule. We're like, what the A four o'clock game. So I missed the second half of the game and I didn't miss a goddamn thing. No. I literally missed nothing. There were well, a bunch of strikeouts. Uh, I saw the Tulowitzki injuries or, or I saw him leave there. We, nobody's really saw an injury, but uh, saw all that, and then there were just more strikeouts, and the game was over. The um, you said seven o'clock games happen. There were no seven o'clock games this, no, yeah. this week. Just Usually it's seven o'clock, right, right? And you know what? That was the only positive takeaway from this week was those six thirty-five starts. I loved ending around nine forty at night. That's perfect. I was very happy with that, and I, I said I joked on Twitter that you know it's like is this the fastest game over? And we've we've said this in the past, like no, yeah. they just trick you into it. But and that's that's, and that's totally okay with me. And even yeah. the four o'clock game, like I was really good with it until you know in laws, and and you know I appreciate them by the way because they were shooting for the seven o'clock game, and that's why we did it early. So I do appreciate I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, the four o'clock game I was fine with too. Like all these early games are great. It's, it's just, I think it's what still we've dis- terrible baseball earlier in the day. <laughs> what I think we've discovered, though, it's not the length of game. It's the how late at night it finishes, because most people, when they finish watching a baseball game or maybe they don't even watch until the last out, they just go to bed and it's over. But you and I, I mean, this is this is a second job for us. We enjoy doing it. We love doing it. That's why we haven't missed missed a week of episodes since 2015. But it is still a commitment. So it's like our our night does not end when the Yankees either shake hands or just sulk back into the dugout. No, no, and it's and the uh, the earlier starts after you have a kid are becoming. I'm realizing are becoming way more of like a godsend. They they need to just implement this throughout because uh, I we're, look at this. We're we're talking about this is the highlight of Yankees baseball this week <laughs> is the freaking start time and that's not a joke. That is not, not an over exaggeration. I didn't start this conversation in irony. I started it in all seriousness. Like I have thank you Yankees for starting at six thirty five. I wish that the uh, the teams that they were going to play on the road would adopt those as well. You know four o'clock maybe is inconvenient because like you had a dinner and I wasn't home from work in time. But still whatever. Um, we're going to talk about all the bad crap that happened this week. A lot to talk about. Quickly want to mention, so yesterday 
we released George's Box episode three on our feed, but, but, but they also have their own feed now on all platforms. So you can find it on whatever you're using to listen to uh, podcasts. Most people are listening on iTunes, Apple, Apple platform. So go search George's Box. If you liked their show, you liked the first three episodes and you want to continue listening, we hope you do. Um, subscribe, rate and review it. You know how important it is. We've said over time to rate and review podcasts. It's doubly important for a brand new podcast like George's Box. Now is the time. They need your support. Go out there, five stars, and uh, let them let them know why you enjoyed their first couple episodes. Yeah, no, I'm excited for them. They're uh, they're they're killing it. They're doing a good job. Lots of really good engagement going on, on social media with those guys too. And uh, they're saying some interesting things. And there were actually yeah. sh- some shots fired. Uh, I I'd, I'd say mostly at you. Uh, yes, yeah, in, in this particular episode. I got the little, you know, nice plug out of the way. That's the last time I'm going to say anything nice about them because those <laughs> motherfuckers think they can take us in a fight. What yep. do you think about that? Well, I mean, again, we talked about this before. This was mostly a shot at you. It was really just JJ putting a shot directly on your forehead saying that, you know, Keith uh, was going to try to take care of me and that he was going to get a whole lot of uh, unknown <laughs> and, and dad strength. And that's one thing I'll say. That's like, true. If, we're, if, we're, if we were to fight, if we were all to fight, which we wouldn't, but if we did. Uh, but we yeah, uh, there, there's one of those things. There's one of these things like they're, they're, old man strength and dad strength. It's real. It's very real. And there's a stubbornness that, that, that will die inside me when I'm very deep in the ground. And that's the only time. Because it's, I just, there's a relentlessness behind something. If I start to do something, if I get, if I, whatever it is, whether it's this podcast, I mean, it's been what, how many years now? And we just keep, keep going and keep, keep going and keep going. That's kind of We're the way, grinders. I, kind of the way grinders, I am in a man. fight. We're grinders. And I understand that. And I get that. And that comes with age and maturity and dad and being a dad. But what JJ doesn't realize is I have that too. And it comes from a different place. It comes from just, I am the product of a Jewish mother and that wears you the hell down over time. And I am stubborn just like you. I will not back down. I will not give up. I will also die fighting. Maybe I haven't portrayed that outward. And you know what? It's usually because if I like you, I'm definitely not going to fight you. I will, I will resolve the situation. But if I don't, if, if, once you cross me, that's it. You're dead to me, son. Once you cross me. <laughs> That's funny. The, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it would be, I mean, you look at the, look at the two pairings and, uh, you know, you would, you would say that if we, if we had a weigh in that those two guys yeah, would they, probably be, they favored. got the bulk. They got yeah, the bulk that's fine. on their side. Keith, Keith's got some beach muscles. That's good. And, uh, and JJ's got the girth. So <laughs> it's just a matter of how, how you're going to use their strengths against them. Yeah. Well, I think we, I think endurance is where is, is me versus JJ. I think endurance will win. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, we're not fighting anytime soon, but who knows? Maybe it'll happen. JJ maybe said April. for a price, maybe there's maybe there is a price out there. Maybe I, April thirteenth, come out. Maybe there's a fight. <laughs> That's true. Um. So why don't you just quickly update people? Uh, April thirteenth, today, Wednesday was the last day to purchase tickets. Um, yeah. And uh, the t-shirt design. Also, we decided on that. Yeah, t-shirt design is out. It's uh, it's 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 extremely appropriate. It's uh, basically a picture of Judge, uh, and the the quote is um, up against or backs are against the wall. Backs are against the wall with Judge. It's a dope looking shirt. 
you got to check it out. One of our a good friend of the show, good friend of Bronx Pinstripes, uh, Brian Begley is an artist. He is the one who drew Aaron Judge. Uh, you could see the similar character on the Murderer's Row shirt that we had out uh, last year. So uh, I'm excited for that one. It's a really cool shirt, and there's uh, you know a good amount of people going to get. It. We have uh, I think what like 150 people coming to the game. So I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun, and we have uh, just a stack section in uh, in 205. And it's going to be a blast. So it's uh, the 13th, and everybody who's purchased a ticket, we will transfer all the tickets a couple days before the event itself. All the T-shirts have been orders have been placed. They're in production and will be mailed to you uh, probably middle of next week. You'll get it, and then we go and we uh, we get loud and rowdy at Yankee Stadium. Backs are against the wall. I mean, it's very fitting for after the first six games. You know, obviously their their backs are not literally against the wall. It's early April. Uh, ways to go in the season, but they need to start playing like their backs are against the wall, as Aaron Judge said, with some urgency. And part of the reason is because, you know, they're losing guys left and right. Stanton goes on the DL, sorry, on the IL on Monday morning um, with a uh, left bicep strain. Just heard his muscles swing the bat too hard at all those changeups. And that is not a joke. That is literally what happened. And you're saying, uh, all right, crap, that sucks. Um, this is all it, right after we after we released the last episode too. Of course, these, always these guys started going. Yeah. Always happens that way, and you know, obviously that's bad news that Stanton's on the uh, injured list. But you also realize it's a muscle that will heal and he will be back. And then we get the news right before the game, and Duhar's not in the lineup, and he's going on the injured list with a shoulder issue. And then we find out after the game, small labrum tear. They're going to prescribe rest first, but surgery is in play. Aaron Boone dropped that nugget in his post-game press conference. Oh, yeah, surgery for Miguel Andujar is in play. If he does need surgery, that's going to end his season. This was seven minutes after the, the Monday game in which the Yankees won. So we had seven minutes of happiness this week as it came to Yankees baseball and, and winning because even though on the night they won, we got some terrible news. Yeah, and the Andujar, I went back to, to find the, the play and saw it was, I think, bottom of the fourth inning, bases were loaded, and he was taking, a, a, I guess, a bigger lead than... It, see, the thing about it is, like, catcher threw down to third, thinking that Andujar was either sleeping or had a bigger lead. He didn't have a big lead, really. He, he did dive back into the bag, because I think he was just surprised by the throw, so maybe he was being a little nonchalant. And you could tell that when he dove back into the bag, that he was closer than he thought. And there was like, he got to the bag sooner and, and it looked like he did jam his shoulder. So that's, uh, that's kind of, that's where they said the the play happened was when yeah. he was diving back into third base. And you know, it's, it's really shitty. It really is because torn labrum. I mean the torn labrum, if it's uh if, if they're, they're going to try to rest it and hopefully it's small enough where it can, you know, go away to a point where he can play with it and, and it really not be an issue, but it's probably going to be an issue. And, most likely, we're going to see this, uh, even if he comes back, like that thing could flare back up, and then at any point, he could drop. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like you never really know if it's 100% healthy, and you never really know when it's going to go again. Um, they say it's a small tear, which is good news, and I guess if it was worse, they would just say you're having surgery, end it right there. Uh, Tyler Wade came up, Ubered up, up to the stadium. Like They couldn't arrange a car for him from Scranton. Like He had to really jump in an Uber. He's fast, man. He's just, he's just aggressive. He wanted to get up here quick, so he wasn't even waiting on that. You he's think taking, they paid for the Uber? 
They did. It's already been confirmed. Didn't you hear about it? 97 I heard about the Uber. I didn't hear if they paid for it. Oh, yeah. The bill has been talked about many times as well. Yes, the Yankees paid for it. They picked up the tab. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. No, he was definitely not going to be paying for it. He just said, I got to get there before the game's over. I know they have a short bench. And Tyler Wade is a good player and a good teammate. So he did what he had to do to get to the stadium. Nice. Yeah, he arrived like during the game. But Frazier was called up in the morning. So he was there before the game. He did not play on Monday night, though. So Frazier replaced Stanton on the roster. And I got just an all-time text from my dad that I tweeted out. He said, the Yankees roster just got better in response to the fact that Stanton is going on the injured list and Clint Frazier is coming up to replace him. And I tweeted that out saying, this might even be too hot for Yankees Twitter. And boy, was I wrong. Because I got 90% of the people in those comments, in those replies, agreeing with my dad. Well, there's a, there's a reason for that. It's because... Clint Frazier is big on Twitter. He's big in the Twitter crowd. In Yankees Twitter, Clint Frazier probably one of the top like five most popular players. And I'd say Stanton is well under that because he's not a social media guy. He's People uh, have all these expectations and they see strikeouts. And for whatever reason, they think he had a horrible season last year. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's a hatred of, of, uh, of Stanton on Yankees Twitter you know, just, just starting out in the first place. And Frazier, for whatever reason, is like, you know, the guy that everybody, he's the young guy who, he who gets says, a lot of criticism, he, but he also has a large contingent of supporters. He gets criticism. Media. He doesn't get much criticism from the people on Twitter, though, from the fans on Twitter. Most of them yeah. are supportive. Yeah. Well, you said top five. It's interesting. Like Aaron Judge, number one. Didi, probably number two. Yeah. Who would you say is number three? CeCe? Uh, CeCe's definitely up there. But I'd say Clint is, is damn close to. Damn close to Gary Sanchez, and then... Uh, oh, not Gary Sanchez. Come on. People are tearing him apart all the time. On offensively, people love his offense. They just Hulk. love the potential of okay, his offense. Yeah. Maybe maybe they a little like bit of... Kraken's bat. I get yeah, it. Maybe a little Luke Voigt, but he's right there. I mean, Frazier's Yeah, Luke right Voigt there. probably people like the People like the idea of Clint Frazier, I think. <laughs> like the idea of Greg Bird. How about the idea of Greg Bird? No, that's just playing us down. Playing third base. Because he was... You know, over the past couple seasons, he's taken joke reps at third base, and we get the little Twitter pictures and the videos throughout the day. And it's like, oh, Greg Bird took some grounders at third base. Like, he does this all the time. Except, this was tweeted out the other day. Apparently, the Yankees actually told him, go take some grounders at third base. I'm assuming if there was an emergency situation and they needed a third baseman, Bird would have been the guy. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an emergency situation. We're not talking about Greg Bird going over there and playing third base, uh, you know, on purpose for <laughs> to like start out a game. He hasn't played third base since high school. He's not fleet of foot. He's not quick. There's nothing athletic about him except for that swing. And I don't want him playing third base. I, I don't see him translating well over to third base. If the ball's hit right at him, he could probably catch it and throw it. He is the, also the emergency catcher. So I find it hilarious that our most injury the, prone player, one of the more fragile guys on the roster, is the emergency catcher and third baseman, two of the most you know challenging positions to play on the field. Well, one of the one of the things that's concerning for me too, when you think about Bird and his injuries, and you know, just comparing to what's happened with Andujar, that labrum tear, that's what Bird had. What 2016. I, think I thought it was, it was a rotator cuff. No, he had a labrum tear. And the labrum tear, there, there's, a, um, there's a couple of articles I read about it and how, he's, how they've come back from a labrum surgery because that's what he had and how some of these hitters have come back from, from the surgery itself. And, you know, one of the big things is you see is just the power, the loss of power from a lot of these guys. So if we're looking at a torn labrum that's not being surgically repaired but, but can be managed, we're probably going to see discomfort. We're probably going to see 
things that we're not going to like when Andujar, if he were to come back, um, you know, would would uh, would show at the plate because I have a feeling that's it's just one of those injuries that you can probably play through, but you're you're not going to be where you want to be or where we all think you should be. And um, I don't know how that's going to fare as the season goes on if he were to come back and he were just, you know, there's no power. Andujar is not hitting doubles anymore because his, because his shoulder is sore or, or just uncomfortable. Then what is he? Right, right. And he, the Yankees are very lucky that what they have right now is a very hot DJ LeMahieu to fill in at third base. But the potential loss long-term of Miguel Andujar is extremely devastating to this roster. I mean, it's amazing how quickly this roster thinned out. And it's still amazing how how I still think it's a pretty good roster. Certainly good enough to beat the Tigers and the Orioles. It didn't. But it's amazing just like two weeks ago to now, all of the injuries, all of the awards. Like I know we tweeted out something like the amount of all-star appearances and silver slugger awards and MVPs and all this stuff that is currently not contributing like think about even like the guys that we knew were going to be injured Didi starting shortstop center starting center fielder Aaron Hicks starting DH slash left fielder third baseman number one starter number five starter eighth inning guy <laughs> are you it's, kidding it's, me yeah it's and it's then the, the, the backup shortstop who they brought in to to fill in for the starting shortstop like that's not shocking news to me that Troy Tulowitzki is probably going to go on the injured list, but it's still two shortstops down. Yeah, I mean now and now is the now that we have now that Tulowitzki's out and Andujar is out and Glaber Torres is going to be basically the starting shortstop at this point. Now Tyler Wade's what the starting second baseman. I think that is that where we are because I, I assume yeah. that's where we are uh, with Lemayhu basically being the fir- the full time third baseman at this point because. There's really no nobody else. I mean, Tyler Wade's played a little bit of third base, but you, you'd rather see him up the middle rather than at third base. And LeMayhew, um, you know, I guess man third, he's been unbelievably solid over there. So, yeah, we're looking at a very different, like a completely different um, infield than than we're to start the season. It's it's insane. And not to mention, first base has not been great defensively to start the year. So there's been a a, a, a swirl of, of bad things happening in that infield. Right. Uh, you think about such the bad start that they got off to. And the reason I think a lot of people are freaking out isn't necessarily just because they're two and four and they've looked terrible. It's that they're two and four, they look terrible and they're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel on the roster. Now, like think about the bottom of the order that went up on Tuesday night when you had Talkman and Frazier and Wade and Romine it's like that was the bottom of the Yankees order on Tuesday night. Yeah, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. I mean, we're going to be pulling up minor leaguers at this point and and uh, and plugging them in because, you know, get used to guys like Mike Talkman because there's they're going to be out there. And no, I don't want to get the, used to him. Well, you're going to have to three straight you, starts for him this week. That and, I don't care how many injuries there are. That's that's unacceptable. There's no there's no justification for starting Talkman three games in a row. It's, it, he's going to be starting more. He's going to continue no, but to play. Let, let, let's he's going to continue to play. How, how does it make sense? Okay, Monday, fine. I, I think I get it because Clint Frazier was just called up. Um, so he played Monday over Clint. I wouldn't have done it, but that's what they did. And then Tuesday, he's playing instead, and Clint Frazier is DHing instead of DHing Gary Sanchez or DHing Greg Bird. 
against a right-handed pitcher, you would have been DH and Greg Bird. Instead, they gave Greg Bird the start today against a left-handed pitcher. How does and, any of this make sense? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Bird, Bird, I mean, Bird can hit. I mean, don't you remember the, uh, the home run off of Andrew Miller in the playoffs? Yes, I understand, but if you're going to play him against one or the other, I would have played him in both games. But if you're only going to play him in one, why not DH him against the righty instead of the left. I, 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 here's the problem here. I, the, the problem I have bitching about this is that they scored one they, they scored one I run know. Today. It would, probably it's, wouldn't have made a difference, not, but it's, it's the principle anything. of it. The principle of it is that, that he's a guy now that's on this team and is going to play because they have people that they have to rest. They're going to they're gonna get Sanchez rest early in the season. It's going to happen. We knew that going into the season. They're, they're going to make sure that he is right. They're going to make sure that these guys are the ones that were going to get rest if everybody were healthy and there was that rotation, they're still going to do that rotation. That's it. They're just they're just plugging the next guy in. That's well, what they're doing. We've got, the, you know, what we wanted to see for Clint Frazier at the beginning of the season was regular at-bats in the minor leagues just so he could get his, you know, his mind right again playing baseball. Now he's in the major leagues. I want to see him get regular major league at-bats, even if he struggles. I'd rather watch Clint Frazier struggle than Matt Talkman. Talkman. Mike Talkman. See, I don't even know his name. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it doesn't. I mean, at this point, he's going to be getting regular at bats. Clint Frazier is going to be getting at bats, and there's no doubt about it. Um, like you said, I think on Monday when he had just come up, the reason he was playing was, you know, they just he he had just come up. So I think I that get was it. The, I, the I understood Monday night. Um, <laughs> I don't understand Tuesday night and Wednesday. It's just it's Boone getting the other guys rest. That's what it is. I mean, I'm not telling <laughs> it's you day it's four, day it's, four of the season. This. Yes, they're going to do it early in the season. They always they, this is a they get some of these guys gradually in. They don't just throw them into the meat locker and say go for it. Even with all these injuries, right? Could because you because easing they, them in slowly is keeping them all healthy, right? Well, yeah. Well, for particular guys, it's it's been uh, it's been it's been fine. Like Sanchez has been healthy. Tulowitzki up until this point had been healthy, and they're doing this rotation in theory, to try to keep them hurt. Nobody can predict these injuries, Susan. You cannot predict the injuries. You can't predict... You're, all it you're seems like to we were able to predict injuries more than baseball. But the bottom line is, is now we're going to be seeing Talkman. He's going to be playing. He's going to be playing a lot. Tyler Wade, playing. Um, all these guys that are coming, whoever the hell they bring up next, going to play. So there's these guys that, that we don't want to see play are going to be playing. I just think when you on Monday put two of your biggest bats on the injured list and then you follow it up the next day by by giving rest to Sanchez and Bird I, I just don't agree with that logic I, I'm sorry I even, if it, was I, a, even I, if it was a scheduled day off for both of them you go to them and say you know what guys we just lost the runner-up to the rookie of the year and the guy who led our team in home runs last year we need you in there tonight because we got to get a freaking win like I understand it's day it's early in the season. I'm not asking him to play 162 games. But there's there's certain nights, certain situations that I think as a manager you can push buttons. I and guess that's a, that's a button I would have pushed. Like look at what's happening around you. And, and Tanaka went out there Tuesday night and pitched his ass off. And they couldn't score. I can't blame it on two on those two guys. No one's doing anything. Like you said, they struck out how many times today? 18 times. <laughs> 18, 18 times. 18. That's a lot. <laughs> 18 out of 27. There's only 27 outs in a baseball That's game. That's a lot of freaking strikeouts. Yep. Against the Detroit Tigers. Matthew did, Boyd. Did Gary, Sanchez, okay did Gary Sanchez play? Yeah. What about Greg Bird? 
Yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, did, so, so I mean, the the problem is, is that but the how, but how do you team know is not that, hitting. Yeah. All right. It's it's a it's but a I know, team, but it's I, a team but problem. But I rather here. watch I rather watch Gary Sanchez and Greg Bird try and get out of their slumps. Not that even really Sanchez is slumping. I think he's having good at bats. He had just hit home. He's been run. hitting the ball hard. He yeah. just hit a home run in two games in a row, and he, and he gets the pine. Yeah, I mean, that's which is, which is that's classic. Just par for the course. Yeah. So that's, that's just a, that's classic Yankees manager. I mean, that's not even just Aaron Boone. Like that's a Girardi thing for a long time. Yeah. So here, because it's the scheduled off days and they told Gary Sanchez probably before they even left Tampa, Hey, you're getting game five of the season off. Okay. And you, you know uh, what all of this it. is? This is, this is all like, so all of you guys who love the analytics and love the numbers, this is part of that. Those scheduled days off is all part of that same mindset of the new school of baseball. It's like, this is how we do things because it's scheduled. And because the numbers say that if you rest every four or five days, whatever the number is, then you will be fresher the following day. And thus you will have better at bats and be more productive and be a better person for your teammates. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is correlated. It's all in the same little bundle of numbers. It's all in the same binder. I agree, and so, I don't disagree with it. And I know we're going to talk it. about this because there's one of these. One, can we talk about it now? Now is the, one of the times we're going to talk. Here, we're going to talk about this. The the um, Gabriel Christensen put something in our uh, in our Facebook uh, in our the group. Sorry, I can't talk. He uh, he put he said 13 strikeouts today, 47 in five games prior to today. The Yankees those numbers went up, baby. The Yankees and Major League Baseball have a big problem with entertainment value. And look, I think he hit it spot on. I think this is one of one of the things that baseball and and today's game is overlooking. The fact that the game is becoming more boring. It's becoming not as fun to watch. People love the home run ball. That's great. But when you're falling asleep with strikeout after strikeout after strikeout, and you're like, I'm going to go get a beer. I'm going to go sit on Twitter and see what's happening. And then pop. There's a home run, and you don't even see it happen live. You have to watch it on the replay. I guarantee that's happening to many, many fans. And when you're when you're the new baseball with launch angle and home runs, and nobody's fundamentally sound anymore. You don't have very many D, uh, DJ Lemayhews on the team who can go uh, down the right field line, down the left field line, get a base hit where there's a, a defender is you know maybe shifting a little further in the hole. He's going to try to hit it. Uh, away from the hole, like there's, there's, there's just so many things now that that baseball, and I, I, I guess I'm sounding like an old guy talking about the way baseball used to be, but I'm just talking about the sport and the way it's played. It's just a more exciting game, the product itself, when you're stringing together hits, and like I'd rather see like three doubles, two three doubles, a single and some doubles in an inning than one home, one three run home run all day. It's way more exciting. It's way more fun to watch. It keeps the fans at, uh, engaged in the game. And you're just not seeing that anymore. The action's not there. It's it's becoming more boring. And that's why casual fans are becoming non-existent. I think I agree also with uh, Gabriel. But I think it's not even, like you said, the the rally, right? Like the doubles, the, th- the doubles, the singles, not the home runs. Like that, yeah, fine, whatever. I don't, I really truly don't care how they hit how they score runs. My problem is, is that they don't even put the ball in play. Like put the ball in play. But those two come together. That's No, I know they come together. I know they come together, but put the ball in play when there are runners on base. They're not doing that. So you're, what you're getting is they're still getting their walks. They're still putting runners on base. 
they're not doing anything with those runners because they're just striking out. And I agree, it is very boring and it's long and it takes a long time to walk and strike out. Those things take a lot of pitches to happen. You know what doesn't take a lot of pitches? A single up the middle or even a, a fly ball out or a ground ball out. Those yeah. take fewer pitches. And guess what? It's not even just the amount of pitches because how many times do we see an at-bat like DJ LeMahieu who had uh, – how many pitches was it the other day? It was like 18 pitches or something So 18 like that. pitches in two, 18 two pitches, of his at-bats. But he's fouling balls off. And guess what? That's exciting. The crowd yeah. actually gets nice into that when you're seeing a guy foul off and fight for his life up there. It's so it's not just the amount of pitches in, in, a, in an at-bat. It's the the way it's happening. And you're talking about, you know, it's not – you don't care how they score runs, you know, the, the doubles and the singles – but the fact that they're not putting the ball in place because they don't, they don't go out to do that. They're just going out to hit the home run. If they were going out to put the ball in play, you'd see more doubles and singles and and triples. Do triples even happen anymore? But you know, these are things that are. It's it's almost like it's the the art of of getting the base hit, going bat to ball, hitting them where they ain't. It doesn't exist anymore. Only in the, it's it's become very rare, and that's and that's crazy because that is the way baseball was made to be. That was how it was. Uh, that's how it's been played forever. It's not just like, you know, my generation. It's been forever. That's how it's been played. And, and now it, all the new analytics are changing how that's being played. And it's also changing how we watch it and how we perceive it. Yeah. And I just think there's there. I maybe it's a cop out answer. I always lean towards the middle on on these things. And it's like I, I understand the analytics and I like the analytics. And I, and I also like the old way of doing things. And I, I would like a a blending of the two. Like that's my ideal world. Um, and it's almost comical. Like when they try and mix it up, like today uh, in the eighth inning, the Yankees get a leadoff guy on Voigt gets on. And then he's standing there for two outs as guys strike out. And then we get the Brett Gardner pinch run with two outs and he tries to steal a base and he gets thrown out. It's like, if you're going to try and steal a base to get in scoring position, why not do that in the first two outs? It's because they were just waiting for someone to hit a ball over the wall and everyone to trot home to run dinger. Like it's it's crazy. It's like it's beyond maddening. Yeah, and and it's becoming escalated right now because we're watching the Yankees who are so clearly and we even thought that this year was going to be better and you know, we're adding a guy like LeMahieu and and I know the injuries are making this compounded. That's the problem as well. The injuries are compounding this problem because we wouldn't see this many strikeouts and this many guys uh, going up and you know, if we have our regulars in there, like Didi, you know, makes a lot of contact. He goes out there swinging. Uh, you know, Hicks is a, Hicks is a guy. has longer at bats. Didi has has yeah. more contact in his much game. much yeah. better at bats. So Andujar, obviously, we know makes a ton of contact. So if this team is fully healthy, we're not seeing this as much, obviously. But it, they're not, and it's compounding it, and it's impossible. It's very very hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, the shocking thing, if you had told me. The week before the season starts, that the Yankees are going to be two and four. I would have said, ah, I guess, I guess their rotation really misses Severino and, and someone to just anchor at the back like Cece. But that hasn't really been the case. I think the rotation overall has been pretty solid. Tanaka's been great. He, he was especially good on Tuesday night. Um, Paxton, he, he's had one start. I think his defense let him down, as we said. Hap has really been the only pitcher that has not pitched well out of the six games so far. Yeah, and you throw away. I mean, the when when Hap came out and gave up that home run ball. I mean, he definitely settled in more. Like four the, innings, four runs, two homers allowed. I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah, he settled in after the first inning, but it, it was not a good start. It was not a good start. No, 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 it was not a good start. But but the the bottom line is the pitching was is not the problem for any of this stuff. Like yeah, no, there, and, there were and, some problems with with Hap with the home run. Um, 
but everybody else, there's no, there's still no depth. But we're not going to get that early in the season usually. Like Tanaka went what six and two thirds the other night. That was that was a miracle. Like when you no, was in you, the seventh you inning. pitch you pitch into the seventh inning on this Yankees team. Like fine, I'll take that every night with this oh, yeah. bullpen. Absolutely, no, absolutely. I mean that's that's been a great start for a long time. You, six you innings, six innings is beautiful. If you go, if you get, if Tanaka Paxton and hopefully Severino gets healthy and hopefully Hap throughout the season is giving the Yankees six innings on a regular basis, I, I'm fine with that. It's the guys like Herman and Loisaga and probably CeCe that you're not going to get the six innings out of, but that, that's okay. That's, that's, that's part of the deal they signed up with these guys. Right, I mean, but as the season's going on, if, if Herman and Loisaga are guys that we have to see throw going out there every fifth day, they're going to be you know, getting more innings. They're, they're not getting them right now. Loisaga... You know, I know doesn't have a ton of innings under his belt. He was in Double A last year, for God's sakes. Came up and had some starts in the pros or in the majors, but they're not going to be going stretching him to pull them uh, two hundred innings four. if they needed to. Yeah, they're going to limit him and, a bit. And same with Herman. But Herman could stretch out further if he if he were to um, you know have a spot long term, and he would definitely be able to go for, as long as he could you know pitch past the fifth inning. Right, but so both of those guys were so Herman pitched five innings. And he had to avoid damage a bunch because of the five walks, but he still, we saw that swing and miss stuff. He didn't give up any earned runs, um, and he struck out seven batters. And then Loisica today also worked in and out of trouble a couple times because of the four walks in four innings, but only one earned run. And they pulled Loisica after 70 pitches. I think I heard Kay on the broadcast say, you know, they're still trying to stretch out Loisica, so, yeah. you know, maybe next time we see him go 90, 90 pitches or something. Right. And the walks for those two guys are, are definitely the, the area that they need to, to clean up. And I've talked about this with, Lo, with Loisaga in the past is, you know, walks were not an issue for him in the minor leagues. And for whatever reason, he's not getting, uh, you know, the same calls or he's not able to locate that fastball as well. But in the first inning, might not, he might also just not trust his stuff as much in the majors. I, maybe, but I saw, I saw him paint outside black 98 miles an hour in that first inning. And that kid looked when he's on, when it's so effortless, he looks so good. Uh, 98 miles an hour, just a BB to, to punch out Miguel Cabrera. I mean, absolutely beautiful pitch. And then Herman, one of my favorite guys to watch, uh, you know, with, with the, the different types of mixing, mixing up pitches that he, he has um, in his arsenal. And if he's able to get through the first inning, because that's one of the big problem areas for him, you start to see him settle in and he becomes really good. And I know you mock it a little bit because you think it's not on purpose, but it is on purpose. He has an out pitch as a high changeup and it's filthy <laughs> and people can't hit it. And you need to have, you have to have brass balls to throw that pitch and he does it. And I love it. The high changeup is the riskiest pitch in baseball. I absolutely, it, it, the, you know what a high changeup is? It's a batting practice fastball high in the zone. And I understand that p people are out ahead of it they don't expect an 80 mile an hour pitch nope. at you know belt high nope looks like a fastball not a fastball way out in front it's it's amazing it's a beautiful um, pitch the, the the belt high changeup, just fooling hitters all over the place uh i guess a positive update on the injury front is we might see sabathia back in the next homestand so maybe we'll get on the first bb crew event cc coming back that'd be nice i mean on the injury front too like the anduhar news I, it, it's it's better than you know, the fact that they're going to try and see how this thing heals up and, you know, maybe a cortisone shot can go in there and make it feel 100%. It could. It's happened in the past. Um, if it's, a yeah, very, I, if it's I mean, such a, a small tear that, that becomes a non-issue, that's a very – that's a possibility. If they got to go into the knife and they got to mix – you know, they got to start cutting and they got to do things like that, that's when you start probably seeing more of a weakness. But 
It just depends if that labrum tear can stay where it is and not get worse. Yeah. This is, again, where we need that doctor to come on and explain tissue injuries to us because we are talking out of our ass. No, but, I mean, it's, it's just common sense in the, sen- in, the, in the way that... Oh, yeah, common sense. Common medical sense. It is common sense. If you have mm-hmm. a tear, it can get bigger. It can Dr. get worse. Scott. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll talk what, about this all day What long. medical school did you go to again? Oh, dude, I've read tons of medical journals. Don't worry about it. I have read many medical journals. The, the fact is, is that if you're going under the knife, like that's it, like you're done. If you're not going to, they obviously think it's at a point where it's not going to get any worse. And now you're just dealing with a, either a pain tolerance thing or you are, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just the, it'll heal. It'll go away. Yeah, but they should assign Machado to play third base. That's the most annoying narrative. So on annoying. Media. Because, of course, back in January when the Yankees were talking to Manny Machado's agents, the Yankees knew, oh, on game five of the season, game four of the season, Miguel Andujar is going to tear his labrum. Yeah, and, now, and MLB is like way up Bryce Harper's ass right now. So we're seeing pretty practically every at-bat that he's bad had. Bad news. It's bad news for Yankees fans right now. Yeah. Well, all we've talked about is negative. So I, I want to try and turn this around, talk about something positive. New segment. I'm going to call this segment... What awesome thing did Aaron Judge do this week? And do you know what awesome thing he did this week? He saved the one win that we have to talk about on Monday night with a diving play in right field in the eighth inning after Ottavino had walked two batters, looked kind of off, then gives up a hard line drive out to right field. Aaron Judge coming in, laying out. Everyone's holding their breath. Like, don't roll over that wrist. Don't break your wrist, big yeah, guy. Don't Hideki Matsui that thing. Right. Because that's the um, first thing that went through my mind as soon as I saw it. You see the, the tip of his glove start bending a little bit, but no, yep. he's just a hoss and just it just goes right through. It was beautiful. The guy and he had another uh, you know phenomenal catch today with a line drive over his head, uh, where he had the, you know an initial bad beat and recovered immediately, and um, made a, a great leaping catch into the wall too. Like another like hold your breath moment uh, as he like you know kind of flexes and, and starts feeling things and making sure that everything's okay when he walks away from the wall. But the guy's unbelievable. Yeah, check the wall for dents. But the uh, Aaron Judge, like no home runs yet still on the season. He had an RBI single today. But just still, like it's those plays like on Monday night that the Yankees do not win the game without Aaron Judge in right field. So just, it, you know, it, it is, I say this with all sincerity, it is so much fun to watch him every night. And, and the beauty about him is, yeah, the, he hits a ton of home runs. And yeah, he does strike out. But he does get base hits. He actually will take advantage of situations. Um, today, LeMay, he was on second base. Runner, uh, runner in scoring position. I think there was one out. He hits a, a beautiful little single to right field. LeMahieu scores. He hits it in the hole right where nobody was. Not trying to hit the home run. Not trying to do too much. Just giving what, going with whatever the pitcher gave him and slapping that thing through. And, and that's why I absolutely love Aaron Judge. Right, and it's, it's, the, it's the affecting the game positively in multiple areas. He also stole a base today. Yeah, I don't, I don't want him doing too much of that. <laughs> he's, trying, he's, trying, he's, the, he's out there playing like his back is against the wall. He's the I, one who said it. I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate it. There's appreciate no you, Aaron. It. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just, not, not too many stolen bases. Yeah, and Adovino, we, we kind of glossed over Adovino on the last episode, but he has really impressed so far. He's got a zero ERA. His K, K rate is 13 and a half per nine innings. So just uh, really nasty stuff out of Adovino. So is Adovino trying to keep his ERA with his number? I like that. Ooh. Trying, to, trying to make sure that that zero is staying up there. Could you imagine if he had a zero ERA all season long and wore number zero? 
Yeah, that would be that would you uh, instantly. That's like Hall of Fame season right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's you, perfect. You gotta you gotta put you gotta frame that shit. Um, going to Baltimore, you know, maybe getting away change of scenery, right? Like that old cliche is a change of scenery going to be a good thing for these Yankees. I don't care what the cliche is. It, it, it's something it's, it's a different, it's a different look, you know, let's get a different look, whatever the hell that is. If that means leaving town and, uh, and going into Baltimore, fine, fine. Go to, go hit a bunch of home runs in Camden yards. If that's what we're going to do, if we're going to hit home runs here, let's do it. Let's go to Camden yards and hit a shit ton of home runs. Uh, I mean, obviously the Yankees were still a good road team last year. They had a 580 winning percentage, but they scored fewer runs per game and they had a lower run differential on the road than they did at home. So we always talked about, especially going into the playoffs, remember, we're like, get this team at home and they're a different beast. That didn't translate in the playoffs and it hasn't translated in the first six games of the season. So, I, I, I mean, I'm just tricking myself into saying, oh, the positive takeaway here is the Yankees are leaving town. They can clear their mind. You know, sometimes road trips bond a team, right? I mean, they can, I guess. It's a, it's a matter of what team they're trying to bond together, though, because no one's on this team right now. This is the problem. That's okay. Let the scrappy guys bond together. Someone's need to, someone needs to I don't want anybody hit. bonding with there Talkman. Needs to be I want Talkman s- off the team. Yeah, no talk. Do not bond with Talkman. <laughs> Nobody talks like, to Talkman. Clint Frazier. Get Clint Frazier up in a big spot. You know, a big go-ahead RBI double in the seventh inning. Some Someone get a, getting a walk-off or, like, making a diving catch to save a game. Like, s- someone needs a Gatorade bath on this road trip to bond them together. Yeah, they do. They need some good things to happen. That's the bottom line. They need to start playing better baseball, and they need good things to happen because they can't. The the you know one of the worries that you were talking about with fans and the fact that they're two and four, like two and four, whatever. You know, like it's it's not a freaking hole that anybody can't climb out of. And the problem is though, is that when you're two and four, you look out at who's playing, and all your guys are out. You're, you're practically your entire team is injured. So now you have to say, like whoever's out there, you gotta you gotta man up, next man up, let's go and and start turning that, you know, start turning that uh, that record around. But that's the worrisome is when you look out there, like who are you supposed to depend on besides Aaron Judge? Right. If they had their full twenty five man squad that they left Tampa with still healthy, yeah. I'd say you know what they're just gonna figure it out. Two and right. four sucks, but they're probably gonna be you know back to four and four before we know it, and then never look back. But. It's, it's when you see the, the, the roster is thinning out, and I don't trust Talkman. I don't trust Tyler Wade. I like Clint Frazier, but I don't trust him really. Like all these guys, I don't trust them because they're, they're not major leaguers yet for a reason. So until we see that, it's going to be a struggle. But um, we had teased it a couple, like last week, that uh, you and I were going to start reading Inside the Yankees Empire. You have not started reading it yet. I did start to read it. I got through a chapter, so I'm going to pat myself on the back for reading a book. Uh, and I wanted to talk about... So one thing I found interesting was it talked about the differences between the three managers. Joe Torre, Joe Girardi, Aaron Boone. And there was a quote. It said, players don't want a friend. What they want without knowing it is a dad. And the author said, Joe Torre was the good dad. He eventually evolved into the checked out dad, which I found funny. Joe Girardi was the stern dad. And Aaron Boone is the cool dad. And it's like, you think about it, and it's true. It's, it, those are dead-on assessments of all three guys. But isn't the cool dad the, the dad that's trying to be your friend? Um, it can't, it very, yeah, there's, the, there's cool, a, dad, the a, cool dad is the one. There's a gray line. 
Yeah, the cool dad, the cool dad and the good dad, there's a very gray line between those two. Those two. The good dad is the guy that's like, you know, if you need to if you're out drunk, don't drive. You know, call me up late at night, 2 a.m. I'm gonna come pick you up. Whereas the cool dad's like, hey, here's some weed brownies. <laughs> that's the guy that's trying to be your friend. And if that's Aaron Boone, then you know, I, but I, the thing is, is that when you see the, who who said that by the way, the um, the players don't want a friend; they want it was uh, a it was, it was a quote. It. it was a quote in there. I don't remember who the quote was attributed to. It was not the authors who said it. It was they were quoting somebody. Okay, so yeah, they want a father figure. They want a uh, they want a guy that's they want a leader. They want a guy that's going to tell them what to do, but at the same time listen to their their concerns. And, and, and actually, you know, take them and not just dismiss them. And I have a feeling a lot of people thought Girardi was the guy that dismissed things and said, no, this is the way you do it. That's it. He was more of a drill sergeant, like a general, more, more of a military uh, personnel. Whereas Boone, the cool dad who's going to give you the weed brownies, you know, sometimes maybe you think you could get, a, get, a, get something by that guy. Right. Well, you, it's cause, hard. Because you can. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to go out and swing a bat when you're you're stoned on some weed brownies, and maybe that's the problem. Because I I think all three of those types of managers, the good, the stern, and the cool, have a place on certain teams, and I think it depends on the team. You know, the book talked about how Brian Cashman. There's this uh, new understanding in the game that players today they can't deal with a stern dad, and that players no longer were buying into Joe Girardi stuff because they were tired of the stern dad act, but. I don't necessarily buy that. But they were one game away from the World Series. Yeah. And it's way too early to call things on Aaron Boone. I know that. And they won 100 games last year. But they also got their ass kicked in the playoffs. And they've played sloppy to start this season. And they were sloppy to start last season. So at what point do you need a little bit more sternness to say, hey, get your head out of your ass. Stop throwing the ball into center field. How about you go out there and don't swing at three straight change-ups with bases loaded? How about you play, you know, go out there and play hard. Like Aaron just said, play with a little urgency. Like, we're, like I think there is maybe, maybe a little too lax, too much laxness, if that's even a word. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's too, uh, at this point, too, way too early to assess. Of course, it's with too all early. the amount of things that are happening with the injuries. I think the injuries right now are obviously the biggest problem. And uh, if these guys were healthy, we'd see a different team. We'd see different results. But you know what is a good thing, even though it didn't play well for the Yankees this past weekend, is that they're still going to go to Baltimore and they're still going to play a very, and I don't care how they're playing right now, they're not a good team. They're not a good baseball team. The Yankees, even with all these injuries, are a better baseball team. And I know that they have some young guys that are playing with their hair on fire and, and that's working out for them. But at some at some point the Yankees have realized that the, talking about the Orioles are playing. Yeah, what did I say? Yankees? They're not. They're not playing with the hair. <laughs> no, on fire. I was going to say what it's what hair on fire do you see? It's the opposite of that. Clint Frazier is the only one that has hair on fire. But they need to go out there and realize that their talent level is that much better, and that they should be better, and that they need to be better. And that's where the urgency comes in. We are a better team. Act like it. Act like the New York Yankees. Act like you've been there. Act like you know that you're going to come in and you're going to win that game and you're not going to strike out freaking 18 times against the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> what kind of manager would you be out of those three dads? Um, I, I mean, there's when I whenever I coach, because I coached like pony ball for 10 years. And, you know, I always had there, there's there's a lot you have to have 
order, I, I think, on a team. If you don't have order and responsibility and accountability mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. making sure that the guys are doing things, you have like field generals and making sure that there's a lot of ownership within the team and it's not just coming from you, but you have your certain guys that you know are going to keep things in check. Like I think that's extremely important. But you also have to have a type of relationship where guys will listen to you and trust what you say. And they know that you're going to go, you know, to battle for them. There's there's a nice blend of all of this stuff, I think. But in the moments that you need to be stern, you have to be you have to be, be to you have to be able to be stern. And on the other side of it, you have to be able to be respected at the same time. And right. I think there that's a fine line. And I, I don't know where Aaron Boone is on that on that poll. I think he's I think he is there. I think they do respect him. I think he knows how to communicate that well. Um, but we don't really see him getting on guys in a moment. And maybe he just does that behind the scenes, uh, which, you know, we'll, we won't know until someone writes a book about it in 20 years. So it's, it's hard to tell exactly what that is. But from all accounts, as far as like dynamic and the way that he manages as a, as a, as a man to these guys, I see no issues with it at this point. Right. And I think that I don't I like the analytical part. I, I think being the good dad who's not afraid to be stern at the right moments is like the ideal manager but you just can't that can't come out of nowhere that it, it's got to be part no, of the what players you do. need to understand that that's yeah. part of your makeup that's right. that's always in there that's always one level down yes and if we we mess up stern dad's coming out to play and it's not going to be pretty there's a but disappointment level right you don't want to disappoint right but you're going to be the good dad like joe tory was praised for how he could bring a clubhouse together and he could he had the trust of all of his players and the love of all of his players. Right. But he wasn't stern, really. He didn't need to be stern because he had Paul O'Neill and David Cohen in, the, in that clubhouse every day. That's it. Like, if you messed up, you're going to hear about it from those two guys. And and I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Aaron Judge right now. And Those and statements. But see, Boone the next day said, oh, no, that's, you know, he kind of couched the statements from, from Aaron Judge. Let your, let your future captain, your best player on the team, let his, let his statement stand out there. Yeah, I mean, but that's but that's part of it. Like you said, when Tory had his his guys in the dugout, who he in the clubhouse, who he knew would take care of of the players inside there, and and to a certain extent, they have to manage themselves on, on that level. There has to be an accountability within the team itself. It can't always come from a coach. It's got to come from within. And once they have that, once there's that accountability within, and these guys are looking around next to each other, and they all know, and they look in each other's eyes, and they know damn well that each guy is there for the right reasons, and is doing the right thing, is preparing the right way. Like that's when you start getting a collective unit, and that's when you start seeing, you know, very good chemistry, uh, and, and the talent then shows way better when you start seeing that. And I know a lot of people don't believe in chemistry, but I think you're full of shit if you don't. Because I think I, it's I think very you're real. full of shit too. Because I think this team had it in in April and May, late April, May, and June of last year. I think this team was oozing chemistry, yeah. and it showed up on the field every night with the the late inning comebacks and the the um, the smoothness of their play. You know, the sloppiness ended in that hot streak. So. I think it, it's in the, it's in these guys. It's just we're not seeing it right now. That's really why we're frustrated, right? Like if the team just sucked, then they suck. But but we know they don't suck. They don't suck. Stop playing like you suck. They need to stop sucking. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, reminder for upcoming Monday's show uh, to submit mailbag questions and call the voicemail line. That is a huge part of every Monday's episode. We want to hear from you. We want to interact with you guys. So you can submit mailbag questions, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, 
or you can tweet us, Facebook message us, Instagram us, whatever you're, whatever you're feeling comfortable about uh, getting in touch. Send us those mailbag questions. Light up the voicemail line. I know, Scott, your phone was buzzing off the hook after today's loss. 646-480-0342. Any final words before we head to Baltimore? Yeah, no, yeah. I, like you said, I appreciate you guys helping uh, me put my son to sleep because the phone was literally on the nightstand buzzing. It was just... It was just continuously buzzing for 10 minutes because I think we got 15 or 16 calls in on Skype. Of uh, our, our phone number goes to a Skype number, goes to a Skype account that you guys call for the voicemail line, and it just buzz and buzz and buzz and buzz and buzz. So, lots of uh, lots of uh, boisterous calls, I'd say. I'm, I'm sure that they'll be very entertaining. Love it. Can't wait for that on Monday show. We'll talk to you guys then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.